we're in the off season now, and so we're trying to sort of figure out what we do for the show next year going forward. Like, oh, you know, right? It. Well, listen, we've added Connor. Connor's a full-time member of the show now. We're thrilled to have Connor. Me and you obviously are stuck here. Um, so, but <laughs> I do track. think that I do think a shaman would be a nice addition. <laughs> To the shaman staff, just throw, throw them back there. Yeah, put some ayahuasca right? on tap. Absolutely. Next to the premier lager. Right, exactly. The summer. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jake Croucher, and welcome back. Lawrence Jackson to the show. Fellas, how we feeling? Lawrence, let's start with you. How are you feeling? It's good to you see know, you. Uh, you know, I, y'all, y'all tried to keep me out. <laughs> they but, did. For the record, but, um, they did. I overruled them. Okay, thank you. Y'all two tried to keep me out. Exactly. exactly. But I'm back. Back like I never left. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> but let's get to some football, fellas. That's right. absolutely right. Let's dive. We, you usually jump in. I don't want to... <laughs> No. I'm actually setting myself up nicely here. Before I do the Roto World headlines and you jump over it, no, 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 I was no. giving you the I just, floor. I just don't know why you guys hate Lawrence. I, it's Either a good, fair two. question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair question. <laughs> this, this we love Lawrence. You hey, take it to family time. I, I, I'm on yes, a flight sir. yesterday coming back from Tampa. I get a text say, turn around. It was Connor Rogers. Two seats behind there you go. What, what a delight. What yep. a delight. Yep. I've now written on a plane with Connor <laughs> and Jay. Okay, but so, not you. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, Understood. You so maybe oh. you the one that don't like <laughs> me. Yeah, it makes me feel like you're on my plane. That's fair. I fly, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I fly, know little I, people. We I, know exactly. That. Come yes. on. I mean, like you know, whatever. Yes. We, you you know, we got to talk to your agents. We got to get you up to the first class. I was going to say, I'm on that Lamar Jackson right now. I'm, you know, I'm representing yourself. Yes, sir. Fair enough. Waiting for the next class. But listen, you had you were two rows ahead of Connor, so at least at least there's something there. Yeah, you can only go so far back on the plane. Where are you guys fly back from? Tampa. Oh, from Tampa. You just yeah. said that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Nice. All right, let's jump right into Love the Roto Tampa. World headlines here. Uh, and starting with a pretty big one. NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah reports the Titans are a team to keep an eye on to move up to the number three overall pick. It's been obvious conversation, guys, that this could be a quarterback, quarterback, quarterback draft if Arizona moves out of that spot. We know Ryan Tannehill on the last year of his deal. This would be a big move. It would be a big move, and it, it sort of says two things, right? I mean, I think most people expect the first two quarterbacks to be, in some order, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Yep. Yes. So, basically, and I think that most other people, and Connor, you're, this is, you know, your, uh, you know, your skill set here specifically, but, like, feels like that the two quarterbacks that are the most NFL-ready are those two guys. That whether it's Levis, whether it's Richardson, um, that you know, whether it's you even Hennon Hooker, Hennon, right, yep. right, exactly. That that they're all sort of projects. So for Tennessee to move up to three, they're like, hey, we're going to draft one of those guys, maybe Richardson, um, that's going to be somebody that can develop under Tannehill for a year. So I think it's really interesting. I don't think it would affect how we feel about the Titans this year, mm-hmm. because again, whoever they draft is likely backing up Ryan Tannehill. Um, unless somehow miraculously uh, Stroud or Young falls, I don't think that's going to happen. Probably not. Um, but I think it says two things. I think it it does feel like you know the end is near for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, and also just a complete lack of confidence in Malik Willis. Yes. Who last year, you know, all people were saying like a lot of the same things. Again, sort of different players in terms of how they're built, but. You know, a lot of the things you were saying about Malik Willis is what people are saying about Anthony Richardson this year, which is, you know, like unbelievable athletic talent, incredible upside, but raw and needs to develop. And feels like, you know, Malik Willis got a cup of coffee last year and just felt like 
wasn't ready for prime time, Connor. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a new GM there in Rand Carthon who can afford to make this movie, could trade future picks and, and let a quarterback season there behind yeah. Tannehill. And he has time. And, you know, when you look at the difference between them, number one, too, when you hear Vrabel talk about Malik Willis last year, they were just terrified to put him on the field. They were not comfortable with that. <laughs> so I think it, there's no ties to this GM I mean, regime. Jo- at, with a playoff berth on the line, they started Josh Dobbs. Like I love street, Josh Dobbs, actually. but right. Yes. But, I mean, Josh Dobbs had been there for, like, literally, like, yeah. like he yeah. was still learning guys' names. You know, that's like, you know, wait, where's lot. my locker? Like, I yeah. mean, like, and they were like, well, forget your locker. You've got to go now start a playoff game. Like, he had just gotten there. I don't know why people are so obsessed with not loving Ryan Tannehill. What's wrong with Ryan Tannehill? Why is Ryan Tannehill worse than Daniel Jones or Derek Carr or he's, Jimmy Garoppolo, guys who just got deals? Like, he's, Tannehill's fine. He's, 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 he's not. not. Yeah. He's totally fine. I agree with you. I, he is a completely fine and competent quarterback. It's just, for whatever reason, feels like they're – out on him, whether they feel like his career is is ending. Like, yeah. by the way, this could be smoke. This could. But be you sp- see all those guys you just named; they're on new teams now. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. And I saw a tweet earlier about uh, the highest paid quarterbacks for this season. Number one is Patrick Mahomes. Number two is Ryan Tannehill. Okay, so, th- so, th- so there you go. When you put it in that perspective, right. then it makes sense. And just a quick note: um, the Titans are one of the five or six teams that Anthony Richardson we'll be having a visit with, too. And I, and I love that fit. And you look at why not Tannehill, well, you're at a crossroads. You extend him now at age 35 coming off injuries, or you just let him play out the expiring deal with a guy like Richardson behind him, and maybe that's what they're thinking. Let's take a look at the draft order to show what kind of leap this would be. And, Lawrence, I'll throw this to you as well with the draft order. If not the Titans, we know Arizona is completely in on selling this pick. Is there another team that you would like to see jump up and make that move for what we are presuming is to get ahead of the Colts for Richardson as he's kind of really the consensus QB3 now. Yeah, look, you got the Raiders there. You got the Falcons there. The Seahawks is a name that a lot of people talk about. That is not one of the teams that has yet to schedule a visit with Anthony Richardson. And they met the other quarterbacks. Yes, right. Now, that doesn't mean everything, but Mm -hmm. he's meeting with with the, uh, the Ravens as well. So, the Seahawks not being in that group makes me like the Raiders here, the Falcons, even the Lions. The Lions could be in play. Now it'll be a different situation for a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis as to where you, you know they're not starting right off the bat. On the Raiders and the, uh, and the Falcons, that could be – well, even the Raiders too, you got Jimmy G. But on the Falcons, that'll be a different story. They'll bet out there. So I like those particular teams. And then you got the commanders out there too. There we go, Matthew Barry. Matthew. Look, I mean, honestly, the, I think it's unlikely. But if a sale happens and a, a new owner comes in, taking over for Daniel Snyder, whether it's, uh, whether it's the Josh Harris group, whether it's the, the Canadian billionaire whose last name I can't pronounce yet. Uh, what, what one of, uh, if he buys the team, I'll learn how to pronounce it. You know, and if he doesn't, then whatever. It's, um, I'm Team Josh Harris at the moment. A- anyway, but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you could see new ownership saying, like, hey, I want to make a splash. Mm-hmm. Go up, you know, go get, go get me the one of these guys. Right. So you could certainly see that, right? I don't think that's likely to happen. I think if they were going to make this, it's more likely maybe they try to figure out something for Lamar. I keep holding out hope. Um, <laughs> it's dimming every day, you know. Um, but, you uh, but yeah, it. but anyway, I think to your point, somebody's going somebody's gonna to jump up there. Like, it's just, it's too tantalizing. To yeah. me, the Colts are the most interesting team in the draft because they're at four, and so it's likely that you know, Stroud and Young are going to be gone. Looks like Richardson will probably be gone because someone will trade up to three. Now, it could be Indianapolis who does that, but at the same time, they're going to be four, and it's like, Will Levis? 
trade for Lamar Jackson because they've got pieces. That defense is good. You've got Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, right. Quentin Nelson. And they can't afford to miss. I yeah. mean, how many shots is Chris Ballard going to get it? Well, 100%. And, by the way, I mean, let's be clear, right? I mean, but it's one of those things that's like whether it's Richardson or Levis, whoever they draft is a project, yep. right? So, like, to your point, this is a team that's built to sort of win now. Like, and that was the idea when they – I mean, they've tried for the last two years with Wentz and Matt Ryan, quarterbacks that they thought were, like, you know, guys that could take them to the next level, professional NFL quarterbacks, and obviously neither guy worked out. No, but, sir. But we don't expect Richardson or Levis to be that guy either for this year. It'll be Gardner Minshew. Might be, right now it's Gardner Minshew, God bless. Let's continue Uh-oh. on Minshew with the, the potential quarterback carousel. Here's an interesting one. Bill Belichick, noncommittal about Mac Jones starting in 2023. And as we were getting ready for the show, guys, our own Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk said his sources have told him Belichick has actually shopped Mac Jones to multiple Ooh. teams this offseason. So Billy Zappi show maybe looming or something bigger for New England. Potentially, I mean, New England is one of the one of the teams that has been sort of rumored to be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Uh, intrepid reporter Meek Mill, yes. uh, you know, uh, breaking so we got to get him on here. What we got to get him on here? Yes, because he knows. You, <laughs> I, I don't personally know Meek. <laughs> if do. you could, could, if one of you could text him and we get him on here, yeah. that'd be great. I hooked that up. We could do that. Would be great. Um, uh, but we love Meek here. We are a pro Meek Mill show. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I, and what's weird is, is that, by the way, if the commanders traded for Mac Jones, I'd be in on it. I like Mac Jones. Like, I think, I think the offense for New England last year was a complete mess. And I don't think that was all necessarily Mac Jones' fault. Like, I just, I think there was, you know, confusion among the play calling. I didn't think they really had an offensive, uh, you know, identity, if you will. A lot of pieces in and out in terms of who was hurt, you know, in terms of the receivers, in terms of the running backs. Like, they just, they just didn't have a a lot going on. I still think Mac Jones is, is a solid NFL quarterback. Not a fantasy option, but a solid NFL quarterback. But I don't think it matters for our purposes, whether it's Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones under right. center for the Patriots. It does not matter fantasy-wise. Yeah, the only time it gets interesting is if they wind up with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we need to get better, essentially, is what it would be. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, Losing him, they're not going to go down, like you said, yeah, what we saw last year. Right, and the, and the truth is is that there's no Patriot. Guys, you guys tell me, but other than Ramondre Stevenson, is there any New England Patriot that you're interested in remotely? Like, I think you could make a, you could make a Hunter Henry argument if you're desperate at tight end as like a high-end tight end too, a touchdown-dependent tight end too. But other than that, like, I've met, there are other slot receivers I'd rather have than Juju Smith-Schuster and where he's going to go. Yeah. None of the other receivers are interesting yeah. to me, Lawrence. Look look how we talked about Juju leading up to last season. That's because he had Patrick Mahomes. We ain't about to be talking no. about him to say where there's Bailey Zappi, Matt Jones. Now, if it was Lamar, right. then we talking about him, right? And we definitely would be talking about yes, Hunter Henry, right, because of Lamar and the uh, Mark Andrews. But, yeah, nah, we good. Yeah, I'm buying Mac Jones stock. Binance at a low point right now. Buying Mac Jones stock, Russell Wilson stock. Mac Jones is fantastic his rookie season. I agree. And he was better than his numbers. He got a lot of drop, bad luck, a lot of interception, bad luck. Mac Jones is a good quarterback and he'll land on his feet. Not a great offense in terms of scheme and play calling. Patricia, it's pretty hard to go lower than that. So, all right. Speaking of noncommittal, Bengals executive vice president Katie Blackburn, when asked if Joe Mixon would be the team's starting running back in 2023, she said, right now he's on the team. And we are going to count on him until that wouldn't be the case. Jay, 
Uh, not exactly the vote of confidence that you typically hear for a guy that's been, you know, their franchise right. running way, for a couple of years. By the way, that's that's the exact quote that NBC said about me. By the way, he's <laughs> asked about me. He's on the Matt team. Barry is currently on our roster. Yes, yes. he and, is currently. He currently has a show for Peacock. Yes. And until he doesn't, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. We're not talking about. No, it. Right, correct. Yeah, so John Mixon's not going to be on the Bengals. Yes, <laughs> so I, I, it, it really feels yeah, yeah. that way. He's, he's it really gone. does. No, no, he's he's gone. No, he's not coming back after. Well, that. I, they they save over. You know, if they get rid of, if they trade him or release him, I think he's a, uh, especially if it's a post June first cut. They save over seven million of the cap. Right, you think about this team. They're trying to get a long-term deal with T. Higgins done. Yeah. They know they're going to have to pay up for Jamar Chase here coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to get a big deal done for Joe Burrow, who's looking around and seeing all these contracts as well. Like they've got a lot of money, they they know they have to spend, and so Mixon feels expendable, especially at that price tag. When you think about how much production they got out of Samaj P. Ryan, now P. Ryan obviously on the Denver Broncos. We're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, but the fact is, is that they've shown that. Whoever is sort of the starting running back of that offense uh, can mm-hmm. be can be productive for them. Now they don't have a lot on the roster right now. Chris Evans, Travion Williams. I've always sort of loved Travion Williams. You know, I'm a Texas A&M <laughs> of course, guy. Yes, I'm a Texas A&M sense. guy. I believe when this he is came, the year he was well. He was the lead, he was the leading rusher in the SEC. Talk the him year up, he came baby. Out. Talk him up. I'm just Let's saying. Talk him up, baby. Let's go. Let's the man was the leading rusher in SEC history when he came out. Right. That is yeah, that yes, that is yeah. a fact. So I'm just. I mean, like, it's the SEC, Lawrence. We ain't talking, like, you right, know, hey, listen, the, the I'm an SEC guy. I'm, I'm with you now. Right. I'm with you. Uh, just There's so. a lot of great running backs that came out of the SEC <laughs> oh, yeah. and Travion Williams. Anyway, I've, just, I've always had a soft spot for Travion Williams. My guess is that they either draft somebody or mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott. That's been one of the places that he's been rumored to Maybe go. Both. Maybe Leonard Fournette. You know, there's yeah, a couple yeah, of veterans yeah. out there that you could see landing there and suddenly having a lot of fantasy value, whoever is the starting running back for the Bengals. If Bijan Robinson goes there, all of a sudden it's the greatest fantasy team of all time. Absolutely. Jamal Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, B. John Robinson would be madness. That would yeah. be something. And I think that's where you root for B. John Robinson to go right now. When you look at the first round, that's the place where he walks in and he's a superstar instantly. He's probably a superstar wherever he goes, but the touches and the workload in a great offense, that's yeah. the one with the ceiling. I know a big board is coming up later, yes. Connor. Yes, it we'll is. Uh, B. John Robinson guy, pretty decent player. All right, we'll keep him moving here. The Odell Beckham uh, courting chase continues on. The longest courting we've ever seen for a free agent wide receiver. And now the Ravens are involved. Per Adam Schefter, they have made Odell an offer. We don't have details of the offer, of course. Is it course. to play quarterback? <laughs> That's the thing. Very interesting. Is he signing on there when they don't even know if Lamar Jackson right. will be there? Uh, the Jets are the second team to have also made an offer. So not a lot of teams in this one right now, Lawrence. And it kind of has felt like Odell's been waiting to see that Rodgers trade to go through. But it's yeah. interesting another team finally officially I, I, in. Odell probably waiting on two guys, either Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, because neither the Jets or the uh, the Ravens have their quarterback on their – well, they're technically on the roster. Locked right, in. Right. But neither one of them are happy there. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So if Lamar was there and everything was all good, Odell probably would have signed with them already. Same could be said with yeah. – um, the Jets and uh, Rodgers. The Jets and Rodgers, right? Odell Beckham, for Lamar, that would be the best receiver he's ever had, right? And he's still kind of living off of that play, that late season run with the Rams, which was legit. You know, it, he was going on to be Super Bowl MVP, so you feel good about him in either one of those spots, even though it's not 10 or 12 teams lined up to get him. Well, you also right because when you make the decision to sign Odell Beckham, it's a couple of things. Number one is right, Kenny B is effective. Yes, he was effective with the Rams. Yeah, but they also they had to deal with Cooper Cup, and not everyone's got a play caller like Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're dealing with that. Secondly, like he's now 
He's a year and a half older. Mm. He's had a major, major injury. And this is somebody that, by the way, was not productive in Cleveland, was up and down in New York. Like, he is a big name. He's a famous player. Uh, but he's also, like, if you're a general manager, you're a head coach, you sign on Odell Beckham, like, I get the talent, but there's also some headaches, right? There's a lot of paparazzi. There's a lot of, like, media. And, like, you're just like, do I need that? You know, maybe if you're the Jets and Aaron Rodgers saying, like, get me somebody elite. But, like, if I'm the Jets, I'm like, it's already going to be a circus with freaking Aaron Rodgers in town. Like, do I want to add to that? Would it maybe. be something? Odell and Aaron Rodgers. In New York. That's why we need that. We need in New that. York media. We need yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, listen. Get this that one, for Connor. We this, got oh, challenging this them one, this one's This one's yeah. like, yeah. man, I... Like, I, I, I'm going to have a, when I do my SNY pregame show, it's literally going to just say two lines it's on the, the rundown. I don't it's even really, have to do any pregame work it, anymore. 100%. It's wow. Aaron Rodgers, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. That's yeah. all it is. Can't ask for an easier year. Yeah. No. Aaron, Aaron Odell and Connor. It's like LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. Yes, exactly. what, which one of, am I in Bosch. I had a feeling I was not getting the Wade and LeBron treatment. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so I mean, like, I personally think at this point, and again, let's see where he lands, but I will just say I think at this point, Odell Beckham Jr. is a much bigger name than fantasy impact Absolutely. player at this point. He'll be yeah. o- he is likely to be overdrafted because be, of the name. Be good for football. Yes. For football purposes. Because like if you got Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham as your two receivers, like that's great for football purposes. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Listen, the NFL is more fun with Odell in it. I'm just, you know, Definitely. for our yeah, purposes, yeah, yeah. you know. So I'm with you. Anyway. You know what was fun? Last week the whole Trey Lance, Brock Purdy back and forth between Barry and Jay. And we did get to hear yeah. from Kyle Shanahan this week on that exact topic, uh, saying Trey Lance has a before chance. You, before, we, before we play And we're going to hear from Shanahan. Before we, before we play from Kyle, I just want to just reset for anyone that missed. Basically, uh, Jay under, couldn't understand why Brock Purdy had earned the right after he went undefeated. That's correct. You know, he didn't understand oh, what Brock, why Brock Purdy had earned the right to be the starter, which is what John Lynch called him. Jay questioned that. Anyway, so um, Jay questioned that. I questioned Jay. Um, <laughs> and the media is questioning Kyle Shanahan. Let's see what, ha- what he said. Jimmy got hurt and opened it up for Brock. And Brock played eight games and won all of them and played at an extremely high level. And we're very excited to have that level of a player as our quarterback. Now, we believe Trey can be that. I think he would have done it last year if he stayed healthy. Um, the good thing for him is with Brock being hurt and stuff, he has an opportunity to try to regain that and everything. And that's also why we brought in Sam because we can't be set for sure on Brock because you never know how the injury will go. We think it will go well and we're optimistic about it, but right now that's on hold. And so it opens up, opens up an opportunity for Trey and for Sam to come in and show us what they have. Can a guy like Trey win the job without playing games, whereas Brock, what he did was on the field? I think it's going to be harder for him, too. I mean, Brock played in eight games, and, you know, Trey had that job going into last season, and if he would have played eight games like that, um, it would no one else would have been able to come in and beat him out. Um, but with Brock being hurt, it does open him up and does give him a, give him a chance. That well, feels like Kyle Shanahan is hashtag Team Matthew. <laughs> Firstly, that's, what that, that's what I heard. I like Shanahan's look. It's kind of like Paul Rudd meets David Duchovny in Californication, kind of this, like, very kind of laid-back vibe. Yeah. So I'm all for that. Secondly, I just... There's not much track record for a guy being drafted third overall and not getting a chance to fail. 
is all I'm saying. And Brock Purdy came in and he was great and he went 8 0 as a starter. I get it. He's also not perfect. He throws some balls up for grabs. And I just think that it's. I was surprised that they were so emphatic that it is Brock Purdy's job when Lance just hasn't had a chance to fail yet and they use so much draft equity on him. I just thought it would have been more of a camp battle and seemingly it's not. Right. Well, no. I mean, he just said he, he said it's a camp battle. He said it's a camp battle between Trey and Sam Darnold. I mean, like that's. I mean, like literally, just so you know, like third overall pick, and they're just like, oh, and that's why we brought in Sam. Not like, hey, we all have the, you know, um, he's going to have the opportunity to potentially, like, I mean, how many caveats could Shanahan fit into one sentence? He'll he'll potentially have the opportunity Chance. to yeah. possibly, yeah. maybe compete to maybe possibly. I mean, like. Just think that there are reasons why Lance was the third overall pick, even if you disagree with them. Ceiling's higher. Were there reasons that Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft, Connor? I mean, absolutely. With Purdy, he was a four-year starter in college, and he kind of went like this and unfortunately ended on a a downward trend. And What's that? Let let me keep going. That four-year starter thing. Yeah. Thank you, Lawrence. Skewing a team. And did not end very well, and decision-making was always the problem with Brock Purdy. The reason they drafted Trey Lance or moved up to get Trey Lance and took him instead of Mac Jones was it brought a running element to an offense sure. that is beautifully scripted up. And if you add a running element at the quarterback position to the Niners' offense with Shanahan, you think that it's really limitless there. But like you said, Jay, unfortunately for Trey Lance, he hasn't been able to stay healthy and develop on that timeline. Yeah. What do you got, Lance? And so I like that Brock Purdy started that them, them many games in college. The thing about it is when Trey Lance plays, when the little – like. For, Brock Purdy has more NFL experience than him right now, sure. going into year two and three, and, and he's done it at a much higher level than, uh, than Trey Lance. Yeah. The pick at this point, that is the further you get along, to me, that matters less and less. In fact, the 49ers could be feeling like, well, damn, in the back of their mind, like, we, we might have we missed here. But it doesn't matter because we hit on the seventh-round pick who we went undefeated with all the way to the NFC Championship. If these two dudes was completely healthy right now, it would – I mean, he sound – you could tell how he's talking. It would easily be Brock Purdy. I think – Go ahead. To me, the thing is, is that – so, with Brock Purdy – like, there's not that much ceiling there. There's a reason he was the last pick. And, yes, he's going to be a very capable steward. And maybe that's all that offense needs. And, look, Kyle Shanahan knows a lot more about – the team and everything than, than I do. I'm wearing the same clothes as Lawrence. I don't really know what's going on. But with Trey <laughs> Lance, like, tell you apart. he has, he, Trey Lance has incredible upside. And I would have thought that yeah. giving him a chance, letting him fail, and then bringing Brock in, that that might lead to the higher upside opportunities. But it seems like Brock's the guy. Right. And two things I think it's important here. First off, I think if Jay had been running the Patriots, Tom Brady never would have gotten on the field. <laughs> Six-round pick. Yeah, I'm you sorry. You don't have the upside. I'm sorry. Six-round pick. I'm stick with Bledsoe. Right, exactly. But But beyond that, I think, I think yes. But I wonder if Kyle Shanahan learned something last year, which is, like, they went, they wanted him to, he had higher upside with Trey Lance. They were going to give it to him, be a running team, and just, you know, do all that zone read stuff. But then when Lance got hurt and Garoppolo came in, and they just started winning, That's right? And Brock Purdy, who's kind of Garoppolo-like, yep. right? I mean, just – and he's just like – and maybe Kyle Shanahan is like, you know what my team needs? They just need somebody like that that can just – you know, our offense is good enough. We now have McCaffrey, so we now have an element that we didn't have when we drafted Trey Lance in terms of, you know, versatility. Debo is Debo. Like, we have a def- bunch of different guys that we can create mismatches with, so maybe we don't need the running element. We just need somebody who can run the offense competently. That's what we had in Garoppolo, and that's what we found out with Brock Purdy, who went 8 and freaking 0. Oh. 
Mm. Jay Croucher. Trey Lance. He might have higher upside, but it's just like that's a team built to win the Super Bowl, and you can't be going like, well, let's see what we got. How long this can guy. you chase it? How long yeah, can you chase the exactly, upside? Exactly. They have he, a window. His upside ain't Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson type upside. That's what I tell you. Trey Lance ain't got the same runner. T- yeah, yeah ain't, it ain't like that. All right. Before we get to free agency, love, hate, a reminder, every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Pack with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BERRY and save an extra 20% at checkout. All right, fellas. Let's get into a little love-hate free agency edition. That is on NBC Sports Edge right now for free if you haven't read it from Matthew Barry. We're going to go through the big notable names here. And let's start with the two running backs at the top here, Barry, with Josh Jacobs and 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 Tony Pollard. And just to be clear, love-hate doesn't mean that I necessarily love or hate these players. But I love their – if their fantasy value improved as a result of free agency, they're on the love list. If their fantasy value went down because of what happened in free agency – they're on the hate list. And it doesn't necessarily mean to be the player that left a team or went to another team. It could be other teammates leaving, that kind of stuff. So and that's it's all where, just about the yeah. free agency moves in a whole. And that last part is where we start. These two guys, Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard, coming off great seasons, have not left their teams. They are both on franchise tag numbers, but it's the scenarios around the guys around them that have left that uh, increase the upside for them going into next yeah, year. I mean, I think this is very simple, right? Josh Jacobs is back on a Raiders team that did nothing but run him. Like, he was a top-five fantasy running back last year. He was the third-best running back in terms of fantasy points per game. He led all running backs in total touches. So he's back on the Raiders with Josh McDaniels as his head coach, and there's no real competition at the moment for anyone else. They didn't go out and do anything, and we'll see what they do in the draft, but they have a lot of needs. I think the expectation here is that it's going to be, especially given the fact that they got Jimmy Garoppolo, like, you're not suddenly – you know, yeah. now we're doing a high flying offense. Yeah, so we got Jimmy G. Jimmy, Jimmy G is a game manager, and so I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a similar offense as last year. And as for Tony Pollard, they lost Ezekiel Elliott. That's I mean, that's that's the key. That's He's big. back there, and so I mean, they signed Rojo. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, we've had songs about Ronald Jones on this uh, <laughs> show, but other than that, like. Tony Pollard is going to flirt with top five fantasy running back numbers if the Cowboys don't add anyone significant in free agency. Uh, you know, Fournette's still out there. There's rumors maybe Zeke does come back on a, a small restructured deal. Feels like that's done, but you never know. But at the moment, and we're, you know, we're, uh, we're shooting this on April 4th, uh, at the moment, Tony Pollard is the main guy in what's going to be a very good offense. Top five uh, running back, I think. Jay, how about Ramondre Stevenson last year? Finishing RB10 in points per game was a big workhorse in terms of the receiving workload he got in this offense. He makes Barry's list as well, the love list as well. Yeah, I think the thing to remember with Ramondre is that he was banged up all the second half yeah. of last season, just constantly on the injury report. I think he had an ankle thing, and he had stretches where he looked like a bona fide top five running back uh, and has that upside going forward. So, yeah, I think he is a guy who certainly shouldn't be written off because of his full season stats, also dealing with Damian Harris the whole time as well. Like, he, he would not be shocked at all from Andre Stevenson ends next year as a top three, top five running back. He's got that potential. Especially with it's Harris moving yeah. on yep. and at the moment James Robinson, the only real competition for yep. Andre Stevenson, doesn't feel like Stevenson proved last year he can be an every down back and whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, you know, the expectation here is that the running game will be a focal point once again. They're going to work him. 
They're going to work. Gonna work. <laughs> yeah. I love Ramondre Stevenson. Lawrence, how about this duo for the Lions? David Montgomery makes the love list, but in, because of that, DeAndre Swift makes the hate list. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. What's interesting about Montgomery going to the Lions, right, you could tell they prioritized him because he signed a similar deal than what Jamal Williams signed to go to the Saints and uh, mess up Kamara's fantasy value even more. <laughs> um Montgomery, interesting thing here, what he brings that Jamal Williams didn't have was the catching ability, the pass catching ability out the backfield. Averaged 43 catches per season the last three years, so he'll bring that element. And, of course, at the same time, that'll hurt DeAndre Swift because that's what we know him for, for 10 to 12 touches and catching the ball out of the backfield. But the Lions really wanted this dude, so I I don't see how this is – not good for Montgomery and any type of good for Swift because we know he's talented. We've known that since the day he got drafted, but it doesn't matter to the Lions. Any case, they're healthy, too, so there's that. Yeah, he, I mean, they clearly don't want DeAndre Swift to touch the ball more than eight to ten times a game. They want to limit him. And so yeah. somebody like Montgomery who doesn't really get hurt, who can handle a big workload, who is more versatile than Jamal Williams, to your point. Although I do feel like Jamal Williams is also a good pass catcher. They just didn't use him like that for whatever reason in Detroit. But the fact of the matter is, is that role, that Jamal Williams role, 262 carries, 17 rushing touchdowns last year, 38 goal-to-go carries, feels like that's going to be David Montgomery. <laughs> and, you know, again... We think Dave Montgomery might be a better running back than Jamal Williams. Certainly will have, should have more opportunity than Jamal Williams did last year. To round out the running back love list, Rashad Penny. Obviously, there's some upside there going to Philadelphia. It's all about health with Penny. We know that. Rashad White, Leonard Fournette leaves. Tampa gets cut from Tampa. And Samaji P. Ryan, who was effective as Joe Mixon's backup last year, finding a new home in Denver as well. Barry, uh, what do you see? which one of these three do you see at least has the highest ceiling? The highest ceiling is, is Rashad Penny because – his question is health. Great offense, great offensive line, home run ability. This is a guy that was two years ago over the last five games of the season, the number one running back in fantasy. Started the season strong last year for Seattle as well. So, again, if he's healthy, which feels like that should be his legal name. Rashad Penny, if he can stay healthy, that should be his actual name. But, like, he has the highest ceiling. But all those guys, I mean, again, with Leonard Fortnett moving off of Tampa Bay, uh, Rashad White, you know, Todd Bowles talking about the fact that he – Hopes he can be a three-down back. Like, that's the opportunity for Rashad White. We saw what he did. And then Sean Payton, talking about our friend uh, Mike Florio over at Pro Football Talk, just had a story earlier today about Sean Payton talking about how important Samaj P. Ryan was. He was a priority because, uh, because of the injury they're dealing with with Javante Williams and how he likes to use multiple running backs. Samaj P. Ryan's going to have more fantasy value than he did last year where he's just insurance for, for Joe sure. Mixon. Yeah. Yeah, and Denver spent all their free agency money on blockers, both offensive linemen and tight ends. So it kind of tells you the identity of where I, that offense is going to go. I think there is a very good chance, maybe very strong, I think there is a better than average chance that a year from now we're talking about the best fantasy running back on the Broncos last year was Samaj P. Ryan. Sure. That whether Devontae Williams misses some time or whatever, like, I just think he's going to have the most consistent fantasy value. He's going to play the most games. Um, and it's definitely going to be the better draft day value, I think. Yep, I much prefer that to your Brock Purdy as the next Tom Brady take. Yep, that's a good one. I don't believe I said that. It was implied. I just know you hate Tom Brady, my best friend, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I know BFF Tom Brady. Sure, it's actually it's a little personal now. It was yeah. weird when I met when I met Tom Brady in, in Australia. He, uh, I'm sorry, in Tampa Bay. He asked me about it. He's like, what's with a weird Australian? What's the hate from him? <laughs> And I said, I, oh, he just he hates everything. Well, that's good Tom Brady's worry. Yeah. That's why I let you close out the hate list here, Jay. <laughs> With Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman, and then one more here. Alexander Madison makes the hate list as 
a lot of Dalvin Cook trade rumors this offseason, and nothing really comes to fruition. Just can't get that breakthrough, Alexander Madison. Yeah, just doesn't he's get waiting. That, that breakthrough yeah, right. role to really kind Two of weeks every year for he'll win you the week. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a shame for hopefully. I feel like they should just be put apart, Cook and Madison. Let's just let Madison thrive because I'm not sure he's that much worse than Dalvin Cook. Certainly, when he's been given the opportunity, he's been fantastic. Khalil Herbert. But he makes the hate list because Dalvin Cook is still there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I agree with that. Khalil Herbert. I mean, yeah, it, I would have liked to see him really get run as the true number one with David Montgomery gone. But it looks like again he's going to be, you know, not have that full opportunity. So I understand that as well. I do think these guys they're just given a little bit more leash than uh, I guess people are now just committed though to having multiple options. There are just so tr- so few true workhorse number one backs. Yeah, Herbert Herbert was one of those guys that as soon as Montgomery left. Jumped up on the love list, yeah. and then they signed Foreman. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, back down again. An- so. Another move with those two that's going to be good for the Bears' offense, going to be good for football, but it's going to be tough. Like Deontay Foreman coming off 900 yards and five He's touchdowns. Good. He's, you know, He's that's going to be like a – it's going to annoy you in fantasy. So, you know, just try your best to avoid it. Especially because they've got, you know, a very mobile quarterback that's yes. going to take a lot of runs as well. Lawrence, what I missed on the hate list, of course, Alvin Kamara. And you brought up earlier Jamal Williams going to New Orleans. And then even with Kamara, there could be a pending suspension at hand. Just a lot not going in his direction heading into next season. Yeah, man. You know, he he, he was suspended last year. And it was still hard to, you know, trust him as his old self from a fantasy perspective. Um, Now, you get Jamal Williams now. That's definitely a dude that's taking goal line touches. Now, remember... When Alvin Kamara was at his best, he had Mark Ingram right there, but that's when he was catching 80 passes every season. That's no longer happening now without Drew Brees. So now you get uh, Derek Carr in there, and, you know, that's a different type of quarterback than a Drew Brees. So now now you have a guy who's going to take your goal line touches, and sometimes you're not healthy, and you might get suspended. So it's a, it's a, it's a crazy situation. I never thought we would see Kamara in this position. But right you, to your point, there's a potential looming suspe- uh, suspension. He was he wasn't great last year. He disappointed last year, and now and that was when he had Mark Ingram and Jamal Williams. Whatever you think of Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams is an upgrade over the last couple of years of Mark Ingram. Yes, like you know, yeah, so like sure. yeah. there's more competition for Kamara in that backfield on an offense that we have questions about. Yeah, but it's competition, looming potential suspension, and also it's been three years since he was good because he was bad in 2021 as well. So there's just there's too much. Obviously, you can turn it around, but there's a lot of things stacked against them. A lot of little injuries along yep. the way, it feels yep. like, with Kamara each Correct. season. Barry, you lead off your pass catcher's love list with two of the most impressive rookies in football last year, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Both guys, obviously, are getting or got or are getting new quarterbacks for next year. And that's the thing. I mean, like, whatever you think of Derek Carr as a quarterback fantasy-wise, in the NFL, what he can do really well is he can throw the deep ball, right? Top five last year in terms of deep ball rate and deep completions. In fact, that's over the last two seasons. And so, um, you know, we saw, like, obviously Devonta Adams had huge numbers with him as well. We've seen Darren Waller put up big numbers with Derek Carr's his guy. Hunter Renfro became a thing. So Chris Olave, who's just phenomenally talented, like, you know, and was putting oh, up yeah. numbers with Andy Dalton. Oh, yeah. I think we all agree Derek Carr is an upgrade over Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston, and so second year for Olave. We don't know what's going on with uh, Michael Thomas either. Olave's going to be the uh, the lead wide receiver of this offense, and I think he's a borderline top 10 wide receiver and next year. And this too, Derek Carr, who was quarterback 17 last year, which that ain't good, but it didn't matter because Devontae Adams 
was still a top three to five fantasy option at receiver. So, and that person now will be Chris Olave. They're going to chuck it deep, and they're going to chuck it deep to Olave, and Derek Carr can do that. And then you asked me about Garrett Wilson. Look, the expectation here is that Aaron Rodgers becomes the New York Jets starting quarterback, and it's just a matter of when. And so getting Aaron Rodgers, so I'm cheating a little bit because as of the time I'm writing this column, he doesn't really have a quarterback. But the expectation is he's going to get Rodgers. He loses Elijah Moore, so there's a little, you know, Elijah Moore goes to Cleveland, so there's slightly less target competition. But whatever. I'm not worried about Alan Lazard. Garrett Wilson's really, really good. He's about to get a massive upgrade at quarterback. Yeah. Jay, next up on the list was K.J. Osborne. And with him, when you look at Minnesota losing Adam Thielen, and Thielen and Irv Smith, they leave 143 more targets in this offense. There was times where Osborne had some pretty big weeks last year. Now it seems like more opportunity will be on the table, even if Minnesota adds a wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, well, he had those two massive games against the Giants and the Bears where he was over uh, 100 yards. Sorry, against the Colts and the Bears. Yeah. Uh, and also he sprinkled in some other big games too. And now with Thielen gone, now Hawkinson being there for a full season might take away a little bit. But I think with how much that team throws the ball and the attention that Jefferson gets, Osborne should definitely be a viable fantasy guy next season. Then you've, if you've heard Kirk Cousins talk about Osborne, yeah. it's in glowing terms. And then you brought up Hawkinson as well. He made the love list too. Uh, finishes last year as tight end four in points per game with 12.7. And Barry, it felt like, I mean, obviously, it's just, there's just more for him in that offense than how the Lions use their tight end. So kind of a big year for Hawkinson going into the next season. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Irv Smith also gone from the team. Like, yeah. Not a huge name, but the fact of the matter is, is that, right, every tight end snap is really going to go to TJ Hawkinson, every tight end snap that we care about. And so with no feeling in the middle of the field, Osborne, you know, uh, feels like the middle of the field is much more now with Thielen and Irv Smith gone. Osborne can take some deep routes. So my expectation here is that just, I think, a massive target share at a fairly thin position in terms of tight end is coming TJ Hawkinson's way. Lawrence, this is a fun one. Jamison Williams, obviously we knew he was going to be rehabbing to kick off last mm. season. Now DJ Chark leaves Detroit. This is Jamison Williams' deep threat role in an offense where Jared Goff ranked top five in completion rate on deep passes. This is an offense that could throw the ball down the field, and they got a premier deep target that's healthy. Yeah, and this is good. Jamison Williams is going to be a guy, when they come around to do your drafts and redraft leagues, he's going to be that deep sleeper like, you know, maybe some people thought, including myself, Paris Campbell would be last year. Uh-oh. But uh, <laughs> I feel a lot better with that with Jamison Williams based on you know, the draft capital, the uh, the prospect profile. If he if he didn't have that ACL injury, he would have went ahead of Drake London as the yeah. first receiver taken in the draft. So you add that to an already explosive uh, Lions offense with Amon Ross St. Brown kind of working as that, uh, that, that slot guy. So now you get Jamison Williams in here, it's all systems go. How about this bounce back one? Darren Waller makes the love list. And for Waller, you take away the injuries, we know what he can do on the field. And, Barry, it has to be also that for the Giants, they need a big-bodied pass catcher out there with all these smaller receivers around They do, them. and it feels like the Giants have signed every single wide receiver out there. Like they have every slot. Every, I mean, <laughs> yes. it's unbelievable. But the fact is, is none of them are Darren Waller. It's injuries have, have derailed them the last couple of years. But last season, Daniel Jones targeted crossing routes at the third highest rate. So I think – when you think about sort of his skill set, where, where Daniel Jones is comfortable throwing the ball, which is the middle of the field, and especially on those crossing mm-hmm. routes, which is Waller is so good. He's such a night, he's such a matchup nightmare that I think Brian Dayball, who's such a creative play caller, will have a lot of fun having a big body like Darren Waller. So he he upgrades because he goes he he makes the love list because he goes to 
I think a quarterback that might be more suited for him, a better play caller, honestly, and less competition for yes. targets. Like he's in, he was in Las Vegas with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro on a run-first team, and so now he goes, yes, they have Saquon, but the fact of the matter is I'm not worried about Sterling Shepard or Richie James or, you know, Darius Slayton My or man, Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins. Like, I, again, it's just like, you know, lot, they have a lot of guys there, and we'll see sort of who emerges for the Giants, but it feels like Darren Waller has a chance to be the focal point of this passing offense the way that yeah. Mark Andrews is, the way that Travis Kelsey is, the way that where there are some tight ends that are the focal point of their team's passing offense. I think Waller has that opportunity potentially. Moving over to the hate list for pass catchers, and Jay, this one's kind of easy. Tom Brady retires. The Bucks seem content rolling forward uh, with Kyle Trask or giving him opportunity. Not the best news for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, as much as Tom Brady apparently doesn't like my content, uh, I do think he is a very good quarterback and good at what he does uh, and better than Baker Mayfield. I think it's a huge red flag for Baker Mayfield that Sam Darnold looks so good in Carolina by comparison when he came in because you, you can just throw it all out and be like, oh, it's Carolina, it's a disaster. It's like, oh, no, Darnold was actually pretty good. Why weren't you that good, Baker? And so now I, I, Godwin's and Evans, are they even going to be on the team necessarily? I think that's in a little bit of flux. Uh, and certainly Baker with how poorly he played in Carolina. And yeah, he was a little bit better on the Rams. He didn't have much around him, so I can't really judge that too much. But yeah, certainly a huge, a huge downgrade um, for those receivers. Lawrence, earlier you talked about the Odell Beckham sweepstakes, and that could impact somebody like Alan Lazard that makes the hate list. We know Garrett Wilson is there. Yes, Elijah Moore out. But if Odell goes to the Jets, Lazard is kind of somebody that maybe falls to third or fourth in the pecking order of targets, even if Aaron Rodgers is there. Yeah, well, with Lazard, we kind of – I, no matter what happens at the end of the day, I expect him to have his same role that he's always had. Like just being Aaron Rodgers' best friend on the offense outside of Randall Cobb, he'll be his little buddy, you know what I'm saying? But when he when Aaron Rodgers want to win, he know he's going to have to go to Garrett Wilson, potentially Odell Beckham Jr., uh, maybe Nicole Harmon gets up in there somewhere. They've already said they're going to expand his role from what he had with the Chiefs. So, Alan Zard will definitely be serviceable from a football standpoint, and he can come up with the uh, the timely big catch and be clutch. But from a consistent fantasy standpoint, um, I, I wouldn't love it. The, the argument for him last year was he was the only veteran wide receiver, really, and Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. He's not going to be Aaron Rodgers' favorite target in New York. That's going to be Garrett Wilson at a 25% target share last year. Even though Lazard and Rodgers are close personally, the fact is, is that last year when Alan Lazard saw fewer than seven targets, he averaged 9.2 fantasy points per game. Like, he needs – the pro-Alan Lazard argument is he needs to be the number one, and he's not going to be the number one in New York. You didn't even mention, by the way, like they still have Corey Davis on the roster, yeah. right? And we expect Brees Hall to be back, and he'll be involved in the passing game. Yep. Like, I just – you know, Kyle I agree. Conklin steals targets. Right, exactly. It's right? crazy. Yeah, so I just, you know, I'm with you, Lawrence. Like, a, a better NFL player than fantasy move for yeah. Alan Lazard. And it's always kind of been like that for him. Like, we we don't be like, oh, Alan Lazard is bad. It's just that nobody started fantasy. Yep. Barry, how about this one? Darnell Mooney. The sure. Bears, it seems like things are starting to trend in the right direction for the improvement of this offense. But is it just that the wide receiver room all of a sudden looks a little more crowded considering the bare bones it was last year? Yeah, I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is you know, look, um, uh, Darnell Mooney has had a 26% target share over the last two seasons, and yet last year was wide receiver 57 on a points-per-game basis. Like, you know, DJ Moore, over that same time frame last two years, 28% target share. So Mooney goes from being the number one now to, at best, the number two. We don't know how they feel about Chase Claypool. There's a chance that Mooney is number three. And, by the way, there's a chance that, in terms of the passing game, 
he's actually number four after Cole Komet because they really like Komet as well. And so is the, are the targets going to be there? I feel like Darnell Mooney is going to be a guy that they're going to take some deep shots to. And when he hits on those, like he'll have a big game, but he's going to be really kind of a touchdown-dependent deep threat, which will mm-hmm. be nice for Justin Fields. But on an offense that's still probably going to, you know, that'll go through Justin Fields' legs more often than not, it's hard to get excited about Darnell Mooney Again, when you when you get somebody like DJ Moore, DJ Moore is going to command yeah. ten targets a game. Jay, the last one on the hate list: Dalton Schultz goes from the Cowboys' offense to the Texans' offense. We don't know who's going to be under center for the Texans' offense yet, but we do know that it's probably going to be a little bit of a work in progress, no matter who the rookie quarterback is. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a concern because Schultz had such an amazing rapport with Dak Prescott, and then when we saw him with Cooper Rush, it just wasn't there. And just being in that high-octane offense where he was getting uh, very healthy usage to now going to, obviously, a much worse offense with more role uncertainty. And look, there's not going to be that many guys competing with him for uh, targets, guys like Nico Collins and John Mechie, Robert Woods, but at the same time, just having no idea who the quarterback is going to be. Like, if it's Bryce Young, sure, but it could also potentially be, you know, Anthony Richardson or something, then just who knows. It's a really important point because Bryce Young, incredible middle-of-the-field thrower. So if you insert him into that offense and you feel good about Schultz's role, anyone else, it's going to be a little questionable. And speaking of quarterbacks, let's do a couple love quarterbacks here, Barry. Sure. Former uh, ride or die here, Daniel Jones, makes the love list. Really good year for Daniel Jones. Gets paid. Uh, finishes QB8 in points per game. We know what he can do on the ground. And they finally are adding some more talent around him this offseason. And they will in the draft as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they add Darren Waller, he resigns and comes back to the Giants. So he's back with Brian Dayball, who he had his best season uh, as a pro by far. Daniel Jones is fine. And the, the most important thing is that Dayball uses his legs. And so that creates some fantasy value for Daniel Jones. They also kept Saquon Barkley. So they kept all the weapons from last year and added Darren Waller. A second year in Dayball's system, I think, for Daniel Jones, who no longer has to worry about. Remember, think about this last year. He goes in last year like new coach, media isn't sure about him, Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's just sort of like, am I out of football in a year? Like, what's my career? And now he leads the Giants to a playoff victory. He leads them to the playoffs. He leads them to a playoff victory. He obviously meshes well with Dayball. He signs the big deal in the the offseason. Like, he comes into the season now knowing, I'm the man. I am the Giants quarterback of the future. I don't have to worry about any outside noise. I can just focus on you know, improving in this offense second year and again, adding Waller, getting Barkley back. Jones makes the love list among quarterbacks. To be candid, not a lot to choose from. There wasn't a lot of quarterback movement. I mean, we're still waiting on Rodgers, still waiting on Lamar, you know, you know, whatever, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. It was an unexciting uh, quarterback free agency uh, move. But, but the, the, the two ones that make the love list are Daniel Jones, are the two guys that basically stayed with their team. Daniel Jones, and Lawrence Geno Smith coming back to Seattle. Yeah, um, I mean, and these are, this is another guy who was coming into the year. He was battling Drew Locke. So both him and Daniel Jones faced uncertainty. Both ended up in the playoffs. Both got new contracts. And that's why I would love Geno here. He lost no pass catches. He, he didn't lose any. He, like Rashad Penny's not a loss because he didn't play. Kenneth Walker ended up, you know, having a good season. 12 games with two or more touchdown passes this year. So, I mean, it's, it's going to look uh, pretty good for them, especially when you got the Rams in that division who's selling everybody. So that's one 
former elite team you don't have to worry about there. So still got the Niners, but it should be good for Geno. Cardinals as well. They're, They're the worst team in football. Yeah. I think yeah. the thing with Geno as well is that really young offensive line that just wasn't that good this season, they will get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got weapons. For the first five weeks of last year, Geno was a top three, top four quarterback uh, in the sport. And then he tailed off towards the end, but he still gets his numbers because his problem mm-hmm. is just mine, just bizarre picks but for fantasy purposes he's still putting up stats gets a lot of touchdowns gets the yards also uses his legs more than in the past so Mm -hmm. Jano a lot to like yeah especially because like there's a little bit more art than science to the love hate list and part of I baked into the fact is like there were a lot of rumors around Geno Smith would they sign him were the Seahawks going to take a quarterback would they move up you know would they move on from Geno Smith and so the fact again that they they gave him a deal they gave him a nice deal at least for this year Yep. Like, I don't know about the future. Like, can get out of the deal after one year. But for this season, Geno Smith will be the starting quarterback of the Seahawks. And to your point, still has Lockett, still has DK Metcalf, still, still has quarter, Walker. Is he still a QB1 for you? If we're in a 12-team league, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I think he's a borderline QB1. Because, yeah. like, I know I at least expect a guy like a Russell Wilson to improve. You know? I agree. So, so that would have to knock somebody off. Yes. Russ Geno is a fun one. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. For a yeah. lot of reasons, yeah. 100%. <laughs> By the way, there are no quarterback hates. Say. There, there's yeah. no one on the quarterback hate list. Like, I mean, like, Dak Prescott loses Dalton Schultz, but again, Brandon Cooks, okay? Yeah. I mean, like, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, I guess, loses Jacoby Myers, but gains Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, like, Patrick Mahomes lost Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Nicole <laughs> Hardman, but oh, by the way, he's Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, I, there, weren't any, there weren't any free agent moves that, that impacted any quarterbacks that we care about, yep. you know, that in any significant way. So... I didn't want to just force it. There are no quarterback hates. No quarterback on the hate list. Matthew's going to be soft in the offseason, I think. A little That's, bit. Yeah. I no, like you, Jay. No Somebody no. will come about, though, as we progress. Something's got, something got to happen. Right. Exactly. We'll get to some draft talk in a second, but before we do, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. All right, guys, this is where I get to be a little self-serving and look at my own big board here. How about that? Uh, And we are the big board we have prepped today is carving out all of the fantasy-relevant players in this draft in the top 32. So, of course, not a huge surprise here. You guys know how much I like Bryce Young and B. John Robinson. They are at the top. B. John Robinson, special player in this class. I think where it gets kind of interesting is that handful of tight ends. And I've been yeah. telling you, Barry, this is really a year where we can refill or reset the tight end landscape in fantasy, which will be so important. And there's only two in here, Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington, but there's a lot of day two guys as well. So this is a not a fantasy-rich class at wide receiver, but very rich at quarterback, which will help Dynasty Superflex. Running back is deep and notably tight end. No question about it. I mean, I, I will say that, listen, Anytime Ohio, anytime there's an Ohio State wide receiver out there, we're good, right? You yeah. know, you just sort Sign of like. And I do think, I think uh, JSN is anyone calling him JSN? Oh yeah, okay, he, he does himself. Oh yeah. good, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Then good. Then I do think JSN uh, <laughs> becomes really interesting. I want to see where he lands. I've heard some AR for Anthony Richardson. I don't know about that. No, well, that, that doesn't work at all. Like that that is starting to get some. He run. dropped it. Okay, good. Uh, for yeah, he, he sort to... of tri ballooned it. He just he workshopped it and like just passed. Yeah, no, no he, he, I think he came out and dropped it. Um, so, okay. But some people just, you know, run okay. with their own nicknames there. Move him up the drop board then, if he dropped yeah. it. <laughs> Lawrence, any differences? I know you've been, you've been on this draft class pretty heavily for the last couple of weeks here now. Anything that stands out to you that, or somebody, 
not on this list that you're really excited about? Yeah, certainly. Uh, you got Bijan here. But, no, let me talk about Jameer Gibbs because he's a guy that could end up at the latter part of the first round, and that'll be a big difference, like whether he goes in the first because, obviously, you'll get the fifth-year option down the line. But just knowing that you move up to get him, there's plans for him already, much like the Chiefs did for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That fizzled out, but, yep. you know, uh, it it, uh, it made sense at the time. A tight end uh, uh, that, that could be a day-two pick that could probably make some noise, Sam LaPorta. I know you know him out of Iowa. Absolutely. He's more of a... He's more of an H-back type of uh, type of receiver from the tight end spot. Runs a 4-5 and a 40, about 6-4, 255. He's a guy that's like, man, okay, who, who should I who should I compare him to? He's not a not not much like he's closer to he's closer to Kyle Pitts than he is to Darnell Washington. I'll put it like that. Yeah, you're not gonna let him live on the line of scrimmage. Right. And, and there's you, a lot you of, want to move him across the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid is closer like to what that. we hope. Kyle Pitts should be not closer <laughs> yeah. to how they currently use Kyle. Closer Pitts. to what he was like sometimes his rookie year, right? Yeah, you get the joke. What it was like at Florida, but, right? Yeah, I got, right. I got one for you, Connor. Yeah, please. So Bijan Robinson is the most compelling fantasy guy on this list. Clearly, say that Bijan goes to a team where he is clearly the guy. So not Bengals. Dallas. Yeah. So a team like the Bengals is he going like top seven in drafts? Yeah. You take him over like Jonathan Taylor. I, I think it'll be... It's a conversation. It'll 100%. be a conversation. Yeah. I probably... I probably... I probably... I will tell you this. Bijan, whether he should or not is another... But Bijan Robinson on the Bengals would absolutely go ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Just because he's new, he's exciting. Too many fantasy managers got burned by Taylor last year. They'll be like, ah, he's Some old. reservations. He's, yes. you know, and like, he's hurt and blah, 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 blah. Like that, but that's a conversation. The fact that that's... That's a first round pick. In That's fantasy. a first round pick. Yep. Bijan Robinson on the Bengals is a is a top ten overall pick, easy, and probably doesn't get out of the top seven. Yep. I agree. I, I think that's where we're going to be with him. And I, I really wonder how high can Gibbs go? Because like you said, Lawrence, yeah, if, be Gibbs goes, yeah, like if he a, goes to a tailor-made spot, he'll be highly coveted. Not yeah. first round, but somebody that you look at and go, man, he can have a big because time. Because it, it's like, like if he goes to the Chiefs. This will be that one will be for real. Right, no, but right, mm-hmm. C- I mean, CEH has been disappointing so far. Jarek McKinnon hasn't, you know, is, is yeah. not on the team, you know. Yeah. Um, Pacheco. So they, they've got Pacheco, but do they, you know, Andy Reid traditionally is, or at least more recently, like yeah. multiple running backs. So that becomes interesting. Does Gibbs go to the Bills? You know, like It'd I know. dangerous there, too. I mean, I know they Bills, got Damian, Dolphins, I know they got Damian Harris, but. Um, yeah, Damon Harris is interesting on the Bills too. Like as we're talking, sort of love hate, but like anyway, I just you know who knows how they they view him. They might view him as depth on a tight end, Connor, because it's such a barren position after you get past Kelsey Andrews. The idea of Pitts, Kittle, um, and those type of guys, Hawkinson, Michael Mayer, and Darnell Washington. Are they like right behind the? I guess maybe even Darren Waller on the Giants. You could put up in that kind of five six range if they are on the right team. Can they be that relevant? I say no for Washington because he will block so yeah. much, and yep. it's just a weapon as that blocker. But for Mayer, and I'll even throw another name, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah in this, they are such uh, reliable pass catchers in that 8- to 15-yard range and in the red zone that, yes, those two will be household names in the tight end fantasy landscape for the next five years because of okay. how pro-ready they are as pass catchers. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the offense. They, the, they're, you know, Kyle Pitts um, – being the most recent example, like rookie tight ends tend to get overdrafted. It's very rare mm-hmm. that a rookie tight end has a fantasy significant season. Evan mm-hmm. Ingram, his rookie yeah. year was a big Almost one just because no. because they had no one else there. Gronk's rookie season was great because he's Gronk. 
He had double-digit touchdowns. But generally speaking, there haven't been a lot of fantasy, you know, uh, rookie tight ends that have had a massive fantasy impact. I feel like Moments the, here or there, but, like, you know. The most – it usually goes the way of Isaiah Likely, where you get yeah. really excited in preseason and then he does uh, basically nothing. It's just that opportunity is yeah. what it is. And I know we've kind of run this example into the ground, but the Bengals are that team at the end of round one that I look at for tight end. And they've been looking at all the tight ends and go – well, that's a fantasy rookie that would make a lot of sense yeah. to produce because we saw them use Hayden Hurst as much as they did last year. Yep. So what will be interesting is we'll get to, choose, we'll get to look at all this uh, coming up. I don't know exactly what it is, but follow us on yeah. social to figure out what exactly our draft plans are. I can tell you that we will be having – we will have, when the NFL drafts, we will be reacting uh, live or very close to live. All I know is it's closing time. Yes, sir. Which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Lawrence Jackson, Lord Don't Lose, Jay Croucher and Connor Rogers, I am Matthew Barry. Thank you so much. We are off next week, but two weeks from now, we'll be back. In that time, uh, you know, just keep playing videos over on our NFL on NBC YouTube channel. <laughs> just, we just want the clicks. On the just keep it on, keep it on silent. Peace out. <laughs>